Thanks for downloading this podcast from City Church Leeds. You join us as we're journeying through the book of John. We hope that it blesses, encourages and inspires you. So I realise time's tight, but I am going to start with a tangent. Um, Minions. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's seen the kind of Minions trailer that's doing the rounds on Facebook at the minute. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a minion is and think I've just lost it, um, minions are these little yellow blobs that serve the evil master Gru. And in this movie, it's all about the story of the minions. And it starts off with this epic scene with kind of minions coming in from the sea. And it says, minions were created for one purpose, which was to serve the biggest, baddest, baddest boss of them all. And... Um, What's my point? My point is this, that our spirits were built to worship. And this morning, um, as we gathered, I always think every time I come to speak, um, one of the incredible things about our church is that um, every single morning, the whole preach could be just looking at what just happened, looking at what God's just done, exploring and going deep into what God's just said to us. And that's incredible because We've just got space here to encounter and to be with him and to follow him. And that's amazing. And that's something we should never lose and let go of. Um, I'm a youth worker by day. That's my, my job. And uh, we had a bunch of young people who weren't from church backgrounds come to one of our events last month. And uh, they had never been around people singing, which is weird. If you've never been around people singing in church before, it's strange to walk into a room where everyone's singing together and it's not a football pitch and there's, you know, not references to the referee in there. So this young person uh, came away from this night and uh, his youth leader was saying to him, how did you find it? What what was it like? Um, And he said... There was a moment where everyone was singing together, and they weren't singing any words that were on the screen. They were singing, like, other languages and stuff. But it was like it was just meant to be. It was like something in the room. Everyone was connected, and it was like it was just meant to be. And the thing that, um, the reason I'm going off on this tangent is because... um, as we encounter the Holy Spirit and as we allow our spirits to speak and we give freedom to our spirits to worship, um, that's such a perfect and special encounter for us. Um, I recently got a, a smartwatch. Um, it's kind of a new trend. And um, I can talk to my watch and I can ask it things like, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Or do I... Uh, What time is the supermarket open till? And it gives me the answers. But the thing is, I'm going to try it out right now. So here we go. Okay, Google, what's the weather like tomorrow? And instantly, it's saying offline. It is totally useless because I have no internet. It is completely useless. You see, the thing is, for this to work and to uh, be capable of amazing and interesting and useful things... It needs to be switched on. It needs to be connected. And so for each one of us, in the same way, this encounter we've had this morning, for us to be all that we're capable of being, we need to wake up tomorrow morning and make sure we're online and make sure we're switched on. Um, So that's completely nothing to do with what I'm saying today, but is I think 
what I experienced this morning, it, it really spoke that to me, that challenge to make sure that we're connected in that way. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, this week has been an interesting week for me. Um, it's one of those where I'm quite impressed I made it to Sunday. Um, do you ever have those weeks where you're like, wow, I'm still here. I've actually made it. Um, it's been a bonkers uh, week. And, um, and it's quite ironic, really, that the two miracles that I'm going to be speaking about this morning are all about God's provision. Because the truth is, I would not be here right now. I promise you, I would not be here right now if it wasn't for God's provision and Pepsi Max. Like, honestly, I would not be here if it wasn't for those things. Um, Jess is pointing to herself and you. You're very lovely. Um, and so today we're going to be talking about provision. We're going to be talking about um, our God who provides. But I want to talk about the Bible, first of all. Um, I spoke to, jo- uh, to John, to Mark, earlier in the week about the, f- the series that we're following at the minute in John. And, uh, and he was kind of summing up kind of what the point of why we were looking at the gospel and what was so important about it and all those kind of things. And he just said to me, what we're trying to get at is... Why did John include these miracles in in his gospel? He was one of Jesus. It says in the Bible that he was the the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, It says that he it it tells the story of him being there through all the amazing times with Jesus. Um, I I always imagine like the disciples. It was like a really big stag weekend. They kind of just, all the lads together, they kind of camped out, they had fires, Jesus made them breakfast. It was this amazing kind of time with all the lads together. So why was John, who was there for all of that time, why has he picked out these things for us to hear? I think that's a really good question. And, and actually, I think it's a very significant question. Um, and it came up on the screen right at the end in John 20. Jesus performed these Uh, performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know what, that's what we're all after, isn't it? We all want that connected life where we're absolutely at our potential and we're seeing God move and we're living with him. And uh, we need a little bit of help to get there sometimes. And so these miracles are about helping us understand and get there. Um, And the other thing is, a little bit earlier on in John, uh, in John 16, I think it is, see if I can find it. Um, it, There's a a little kind of uh, passage where Jesus is talking. And uh, he says something really simple. He just says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear. Um, I was reading another translation. It says, more than you can now handle. I like that, that Jesus could tell us things that would just blow our minds. So he had to kind of curb it a little bit and keep it calm. But I have so much more to tell you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. You see, the thing is, I love the Bible. When I was uh, 17, I chose to go and study the scriptures because I loved them. I really, really love them. And they're incredible, and people spend their whole life studying scriptures. But we need to hold these in one hand, and we need to hold a discerning spirit of truth in the other. But actually, these aren't just kind of dusty words in a book on a shelf. 
but these are words that are supposed to become incorporated into our lives. We're supposed to live the gospel, not just read it. And so as we look at these passages um, this morning, I really just want to share um, not just the standard um, you know, explanation of these miracles, but what stood out to me this week when I read them, what really stood out to me is I just re-encountered these things because I believe God is constantly revealing new things to us because we're not reading, we're experiencing his word. Um, so um, I started this week on retreat. So I went away with uh, a bunch of really lovely young people from a school in East Leeds. Went off to um, the kind of wild of Ilkley, which is amazing. And we were talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And we were doing this session about what it means to have the Holy Spirit in your life. And uh, we were using uh, something called the Eucharistic doxology, which is a really rubbish word. Um, it's really simple. It's just a little hymn of praise. And uh, they're in all sorts of different church traditions. There are different doxologies used. But the one we were using uh, just says this. Um, Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor to God, the Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. And we were looking at what it means to live with the Spirit through him, with him, and in him. And I think it's a really simple thing to help us understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as we read these verses, and as we, um, as we yeah, read these miracles today, I just want us to do it in that um, context. Uh, what does this mean to... to to the Spirit being at work in me or through me or with me in all that I do. What does it mean for us today? So I'm going to invite my glamorous assistant, uh, Pete, uh, to come and just read us the first miracle that we're going to be looking at today. Never been called glamorous before. Uh, John 6, um, yep, John 6, 1 to 15, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up onto a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far, how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. And there were about 5,000 men there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed, those to those who, distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus said, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Amazing. Um, 
What a story. I mean, just I, I just want to point out a really simple thing, which I just think is hilarious. Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. You can kind of imagine he was sort of sat there, ooh, what could I do here? And that's going to really in, just impress everyone. I don't think that was the kind of mentality that Jesus had. I think there was purpose to this miracle. And um, I think there's purpose to John putting this miracle in, in Scripture for us. Um, the feeding of the 5,000, it's a story we've all heard before. We've done the kind of felt art in Sunday school. We've kind of um, done the RE lesson where you've got to remember who he speaks to and all that kind of thing. It's a story we've heard a million times before. Um, so as I read it this time, I was kind of wondering what God was going to reveal to me. And uh, the first thing that really stood out to me was to do with the nature of the crowd that I'd gathered. Um, now, I've never uh, had 5,000 people follow me about, um, but I imagine um, that looks like a really big crowd of people. And here was Jesus, who um, had, you know, clearly wanting to avoid people, not wanting the kind of drama of all of this, kind of trying to find that quiet place to be with his father. And yet, here was 5,000 people so desperate to hear what he had to say, so, um, so desperate to just get a little bit of what Jesus had to offer, that they just were following him and, and, and with him. You know, it's quite telling that um, with all those people, with women, with children um, in the crowd, no one thought to bring any food with them. I mean, that's just a simple thing. I, I, I like to have food with me. It's usually not good for me. It's usually chocolate or cereal bars or whatever. But no one thought to bring anything with them because their eyes and their, their, their minds were just focused on, here is this incredible person. I've got to hear what he's got to say. And what stood out to me is that's a real challenge for me because I know how often when... Uh, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's um, some prayer meeting I'm going to or some worship service that I'm going along to, how often I find myself dragging myself there. You know, this crowd were desperate to see what Jesus had to say. Their expectation was so high that they, they didn't prepare. They didn't say, oh, wait a minute, I'm just going to make a quick sarni. They just went for it. They were like, we've got to get there. We've got to hear what he has to say. I think there's a real challenge for us in church that it becomes so every day and so easy. And that's why it was so amazing, the encounter we had this morning and the encounter we have so often on a Sunday here. But we've got to foster that expectation and that desire and that sense of I want to be there I, I need to be there how often do we think about stuff in the oh do I have to go we need to be thinking actually I'm desperate to go I want to be there I can't miss out on this opportunity you know what Jesus is here today right now and when we gather and when we pray and when we worship his presence makes itself known and so Jesus is here and we need to come with that expectation that he's going to move and we're going to miss out if we ain't there so um that's the first thing that really stood out to me um as I reread this this story the second thing um 
was to do with provision. I've, uh, at various points in my life, I've been in the privileged position to be totally dependent on God in the kind of, if God doesn't show up, I'm stuffed kind of way. And, uh, and I've had that in kind of practical ways where I've had no money and I've just been waiting for God to provide. I've had that in non-practical ways like yesterday is a perfect example. We had a youth event yesterday and my gosh, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was nervous. I was scared. Jess can tell you I didn't, I've not slept for days. I've just been like so scared, but God provided. He showed up. He made himself known to these young people, and we had an incredible day. Our God provides, and that's, you know, a massive part of what this story is about. Here they had um, so little, and yet God was able to provide so much through Jesus. And the thing is, the nature of what God provided there was, I think, uh, is something I've experienced before as well, which is that I think it was was it Andrew who said it would take a year's wages to give everyone just a mouthful. And Jesus didn't just give everyone a mouthful. He could have done. He could have just made just enough to scrape by. But instead, it says when everyone had enough to eat, they started to gather the leftovers and there was loads left over, more than they started with. You see, when God provides, I believe we have an abundant God who provides so far above and beyond the need. A God who gives out of generosity, not just serving the little need that we have. And I I don't want us to think about this entirely materially. I believe this is a spiritual thing as well. And I know so many times in my life when I've come before God with a need in my spirit, whether it's to do with how I feel inside or a physical need or uh, an emotional need, I've seen God not just give enough for me to make it through, but given me so much more. And, And we can really trust that we have a God who does that. And spiritually, you know, I'm I'm amazed by when you look through kind of the stories in history of some of the mystics, some of these, uh, you know, faithful people of God who have seen God's spirit move in incredible ways by location, um, you know, uh, kind of amazing sense of knowledge about people's lives and their experience. I was reading an amazing story recently about... um, one of the kind of people classed as saints by the Catholic Church, uh, who used to teach children. And he's walking down this lane, and this little animal runs out in the road, and the children are amazed. They're like, I've never seen that before. And so he says, in the name of Jesus, stop. And the animal stops and lets the children come and have a look at him. And then he says, be blessed and go. And it just goes. Wow, amazing. There is no limits on what our God can do. We all know that, don't we? And, um, okay, I'm going to do this. I I told myself I wouldn't, but I'm going to. Sometimes I feel like what we do is we do this. On this side, God can do absolutely anything. And we know that, but we put this barrier there where we go, yeah, I know God can do that, but I'm the other side of the barrier you know, you can do that, but maybe not with me. But the thing is, there are no barriers to what God can do other than the ones we put up. 
And I, I really believe that one of the incredible things about the Gospel of John is that he knew that when he put this story in there. And that's why we have the story that comes after it, um, the story of Jesus walking on the water. And I'll make a little bit more sense rather than the random screen in a second. Are we all right to have a video? Is that cool? Why did he walk away just when we're getting strong? Surely a messiah wouldn't leave us like this. A messiah should be a, a warrior, a conqueror like David. Judas, force is not the way. So tell me what the way of messiah is. He's different. But Mary, what if he's not the one? We're risking our lives for what? He has shown us his power. We must have faith in him. Come on. He'll not fail us. He said he'd meet us on the other side. Let's go!
again, Jesus, I, I just imagine him sat on the shore going, oh, the disciples are in the boat. Um, well, I could fly in from above and kind of come down, or I suppose I could just appear in the boat. I mean, someone might fall overboard in shock, but, um, or I could, I could walk towards them on the water. I mean, amazing, amazing miracle and an amazing, amazing story. And um, if you've not seen uh, that video before, that, that's from a, an American series uh, that kind of dramatizes the Bible. It's pretty good. If you struggle to read scripture or you struggle to kind of visualize some of the stories like me, um, it's a really great way just to get involved in the kind of narrative of the Bible. Um, it's a bit cheesy. They seem to think Jesus walked around everywhere like this. Um, I, I think that must have been quite impractical, but um, it's it's really helpful if if um, if you kind of just want to get into these stories a little bit. The thing I was saying here, um, and and this image of of kind of being behind that screen, sometimes fear can separate us from the potential um, and the expectation of what God can do. And I want to recognise that's true of all of us. Absolutely all of us. Billy Graham, amazing man of God. That man's got fears that hold him back from fullness of what God's got called for him. Me, Jess, Mark, any of us. There are, there are things that are, are going to restrict us. And so the challenge is to always be ready, seeking to bring some of those barriers down and, and just submit more to God. Um, in this story, kind of as I, I watched that video and as I, I read the scriptures, actually the, the story in John uh, doesn't include some of those bits. Um, it's a slightly less elaborate version of the story. But in the other Gospels, um, it, it, it's a very vivid picture of what was going on. It talks about this ghostly figure coming towards them and these rough seas and their fear. And they're, um, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're just scaredness of what was going on. The fact is, for these disciples, they were in a familiar place on that boat. Many of them were fishermen. They had all grown up around, um, around the sea. So that would have been a, a familiar place for them to be. It wouldn't have been anything new. And uh, the thing that stands out to me about that is that actually they were rightly scared of something they knew there. They knew the dangers of being in a boat in a storm with the seas going bonkers, the sails are up and you're trying to get them down. They knew that situation, and so that created fear for them. And for some of us, there are situations that, because we know it, it allows us to build up barriers of fear. Um, two practical examples... I find it really hard to see homeless people in the streets, um, particularly at the minute, because there's a half of me that goes, I really want to do something to help that person's situation. I want to go and get some food or find some way of, of supporting them, looking after them. There's a guy who sleeps opposite my office day in, day out, and it breaks my heart every morning when I walk in and he's there. And there's a part of me that wants desperately to do something about that. But then there's this other part of me that goes, this is too big a situation for me to deal with. I mean, there's, this is a social economic problem, um, as the politicians would say. Um, you know, me giving them a bit of food, oh, is it really going to make a difference? And I find myself battling fear of this thing that feels so much bigger than me that I can't address and I can't deal with. 
It's a really practical example. And the fact is that um, the through him, with him, and in him of the Holy Spirit allows us to do more than we are capable of. Through him, we're able to encounter and, and process and address situations that are well out of our remit, far beyond our jurisdiction. We're called to step up and step beyond our, you know, to punch above our weight. That's what it's all about, to punch above our weight. And not only are we called to do that, but actually we don't do that alone. We do that with him stood by our side through him, with him, and in him, I believe there's a spiritual call to us that actually as we pray about situations, we can see them shift like that. Because we have a God that cares about the world, not a God that's distant and might occasionally look at our shopping list of what we want from him. We have a God that's involved in our lives and cares about each one of us. And so through him, with him, and in him, we can punch above our weight in these situations. Second situation that I, um, practical situation I want to tell you about. I grew up um, in a nursing family. Um, I know we've got kind of some doctors in the church. Um, but uh, growing up in a nursing family is weird because uh, you never just bump your head. You never just hurt your leg. You never have just an itchy rash. It's always some incredibly long-named illness that comes from the book of horrible ways to get ill, um, encyclopedia proudly on the living room you know, bookshelf. That is the life of a nursing son. And um, when I was 17, uh, yeah, 17, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was uh, an awful, awful experience. Um, it, it just changed everything. But the thing was, for my mum, being diagnosed with that, she knew what she was getting into. She knew the situation she was in. She knew what that meant, and she knew what the different treatment plans and the, the medicines and the, the operations, she knew what they would do to her. And so it was all the more scary because she knew the things to be scared of. In the same way, I think this story, the disciples knew what they were facing in that moment, and yet it took one thing to turn that situation around, and that was to hear Jesus say, do not be afraid, it is I. How many of us, when facing situations that uh, a little bit bad and even really bad, like that one that my mum was in, just need to hear God say, do not be afraid, it is I. You know, the amazing thing is that those disciples had a real privileged position to live with Jesus, to be around him, to be there in all these miraculous events. Incredible. But we've got the spirit living inside of us to be that voice saying that day in, day out, no matter what we face. And that's an amazing opportunity for us. It changes everything. The second thing is the disciples were scared of what they didn't know in that moment. You had Jesus walking towards them on the water. In one of the Bibles, it, in one of the Bibles, in one of the Gospels, it says this ghostly figure came towards them across the water. And that must have created this feeling of what is this power? What is this um, thing we're experiencing? 
Sometimes, uh, when I was talking about the miraculous before, we don't know what that looks like, and that can be scary. When I was 18, I made a decision to come back to Leeds and to get involved with youth work, and that meant giving up doing a degree, that meant choosing a very different path, and that was scary. That was like, I'm giving up my security here. But it required me to trust that even though I didn't know what that was, that God could be trusted in that situation. And so again, for the disciples, fearing what they didn't know, all they needed to hear was, do not be afraid, it is I. You know, for each one of us um, this morning, um, I realize time's kind of getting on. Um, I don't know what our weeks are going to be like this week. I don't know if next Sunday you'll sit there and say, I made it through. Gosh. Or if you'll come in dancing around with joy because you've just had the best week ever. But what I do know is that in both of these stories, there's a call and a challenge to us as his church to say yes to his spirit, being there in all that we do through him, to accept his spirit being by our side in everything that we do, to prop us up when it's all too much with him, and to do stuff that's far beyond what we're capable of, that's miraculous, that's, um, you know, beyond imaginable capability in him. We have the Holy Spirit. And we don't just read scripture, but we live in it. And so my challenge to you this week is wake up tomorrow morning, make sure you're online, and just see what God does. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are And in this house, that means we love.